Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Howdy friends, Craig here. In this episode, Alex Drake and Robert Singer reveal why 10 Thunders players are bringing McCabe to the table for Malifaux 3rd Edition. They go in-depth on how to maximize his effectiveness and the tricks you can pull with this crew. For those of you that play McCabe, pay close attention, because if you don't, this master is going to loot your points and you're going to lose your next matchup. Do you enjoy the content coming from the third floor? We love making it. You can help support our efforts and get a cool shirt or other swag by going to thirdfloorwars.com and clicking on the shop link at the top. Check out all the funny and cool t-shirts and swag we have there for you. Show off your love for the game and support the third floor at the same time. Check out our shop at thirdfloorwars.com. Before we jump in, we have a special offer from our friends at Gadzooks Gaming. Now, Gadzooks has always been one of my favorite online retailers because of their unique selection and great customer service. They're probably best known for selling individual Malifaux models, so you don't have to buy an entire crew box for just that one model you need. Check them out as you start building your crews for 3rd edition. They're offering our U.S. and Canadian listeners a sweet deal. Free shipping on all orders over $100. Use the promo code THIRDFLOOR, one word, T-H-I-R-D. Using that promo code helps us bring you content on this podcast and our YouTube channel. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and use the promo code THIRDFLOOR. All the details are in the show notes. Now on to the episode. I, I've been I've been getting a lot of work out of the Dawn Serpent, and I know he looks a bit like you know the, the lesser, smaller brother of the Shadow Emissary. I actually have a list that is kind of a, and it's very rare for me in Malifaux, but it's my my actual kind of weirdly all comers list. Probably my, f- I don't know about Robert, but this is probably my favorite artifact. It's probably my, my go-to one. It's really, really important for the crew um, for you to recognize when you need to change pace. than stepping away from the screens, unplugging and sitting around a table to do battle with your friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars brings you the latest strategies, tactics, and reviews on board games, card games, and miniature games like Malifaux. If you want useful information on the games you already play, or new insights on great games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. 
Craig here on the third floor. Today we're going to do a deep dive into the 10 Thunders Master McCabe and how the Wastrel crew works in Malifaux 3rd Edition. Now my guests today are Alex Drake and Robert Singer, and both of them have been on the show before. Alex gave us a great episode on how he won a recent UK event, and Robert gave us all the secrets on Rasputina. So we are really lucky that they both had a chance to come back and talk about something outside of really what uh, um, Robert discussed and Alex touched on, and that's talking McCabe. So uh, first off, Alex, welcome back to the third floor. Thank you very much, Craig. And uh, at the time of this recording, Alex is just coming off a pretty strong showing at the Scottish GT. Um, but not to get too deep into it, Alex, but did McCabe see the table? Uh, he did not actually. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm sure. I'm sure you probably some of your listeners are aware that. But the um, the British meta is is currently on hold with dual masters, and um, and also not allowing unreleased miniatures. So um, as I'm sure we'll get into it in the show. But uh, a decent proportion. That puts a barrier up. Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 interesting. I think a lot of it's just for helping helping new people get get in. You know, people that weren't maybe part of the the beta testing that don't have access mm-hmm. to to the, to the beta rules. Um, you know, there's easier access for them for them to come to the tournaments and be, and know that what they're going to be facing is 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 actually official. It's funny how, um, and it's something that I forget. Um, you know. Because I was involved in the in the open beta, but there's you know many people that were not only in the open beta, but were also in the closed beta. Yeah, and you know have been we've been playing Malifaux for a while now, um, but there's a lot of people coming on now that this is their first introduction to three, um, and it's it's easy to take that for granted. Yeah, yeah, it is. So it was, it was just a, a step to make it yeah, like we said, more accessible, and uh, and so everyone knew that the rules and the models that they were going to be facing were were, were official. So yeah, did, that makes did, total sense. Yeah, did put a bit of a, a damper on, on McCabe's on McCabe's day, so I put him on the back burner. But I'm ready for him to be out in force now. <laughs> All right, and Robert, welcome back to the third floor. Thanks for having me, Craig. Yeah, man. How have you? What have you been doing as far as gaming lately? Uh, lately, uh, I've been doing two things. Uh, I've been playing some more of my dirty Arcanists. Um, and I've, been, <laughs> I've been testing out a lot of things with Sandeep. Um, and really oh, interesting. Playing with those elementals and, and some of the, the filth that he can do. Um, and I, and I do, I do mean that he, there are some things that are just really, really, really filthy about him. But, uh, yeah, I'm hearing, uh, just through, uh, you know, the connections I have here, having the show and stuff and do the different chats I'm involved with that. Uh, I feel like you dirty arcanists are just figuring out how gross he is. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm the only one in our meta, um, who, who has been playing him, uh, consistently. Um, but I know that Roman, another friend of the show is going to yeah. be, uh, trying him out soon and, and that's going to be scary. Um, yeah, and but, Steve Bynum, who uh, who did yeah. the uh, Marcus deep dive and who did the Molly deep dive. Mark uh, Steven's been um, playing around with uh, Sandeep both as a uh, primary and a hired master. Um, and just as a rule, if Steven's using it, it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this is that uh, I don't think there's the same problems that you know he was notorious for in second ed. And I'm talking about Sandeep, not Steve. Sure. Uh, but... <laughs> But, uh, I do think that there's just a, a lot of, a lot of strength there. Um, outside of that, I've been actually practicing a lot with McCabe because, uh, the Tyrant tournament at Gen Con is coming up next week. Yeah. And, uh, I live in Indianapolis. And so Gen Con is 
literally in my backyard. Nice. Um, and so uh, I plan to uh, play McCabe and Thunders in that. And so I've been doing a lot of prep with that. Very, very cool. Yeah, you can tell you. And what's cool is that uh, this won't be out before Gen Con. So you can divulge all your secrets about McCabe and not have to worry about the Gen Con people hearing it before they have to play against you. I was definitely happy that we pushed it back a week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the uh, boy Gen Con, it's another event that I've yet to go to. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the Gen Con list that Weird put out of all the goodies that are going to be there. But for us Rezzer players, it's going to be an expensive Gen Con. Oh. We got all kinds of goodies. I will yeah. tell you, I, I mean, I'm, I, I was already uh, looking to pick up Molly as my third Rezzer Master, and the Pirates totally solidified it for me. Yeah, it's a, co- it's a cool box. That Pirate hat is going to sell so many of those boxes. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Did you guys see my post on a weird place where I was like, all right, you guys need to tell me who's responsible for it. And it turns out, I guess it was Matt Carter's idea. So yes, I did see um, that. I, uh, I knew I liked that guy. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I, to Alex, to your point, I think, uh, I don't know if weird could uh, overestimate how many boxes were sold because of the hat. <laughs> the majority of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that's one of those things where you're like, oh, boy, that looks really cool. And then you see the hat and you go, oh, no, now I've got to buy it. Yeah. I wonder how many models we're going to see other models, not not just Archie, wearing that hat. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, it'll I, be I, it. You're going to see a lot. I mean, I, I already have players. Uh, we have a lot of Rezzer players in our, our community, and several of them already want to put it on to their carrion emissary and paint the <laughs> carrion emissary up as a parrot instead of a crow. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Well, guys, let's talk a little bit about McCabe. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus on, of course, McCabe, both as a primary uh, leader as well as a hired master. And we're going to talk a lot about the Wastrel Cool, uh, the Wastrel Cruel Crew. Boy, that's hard to say. Um, and we're going to dig deep into how both of you guys kind of, you know, not only build a crew around McCabe, but how you um, actually, you know, play him and, and w- how McCabe brings you to victory um, and increases your chances of winning the game. And we'll talk, of course, about whether the uh, faction and master declared by the opponent impacts any decision-making as well as the pool itself. Um, so, Robert, let's start with you. Can you kind of give our listeners a kind of a quick overview of McCabe? Um, for, so for someone who's never played against McCabe before, has never ran McCabe before, what are kind of, uh, kind of the highlights that we should know? Um, I'd say the the first major highlight for him is that he is an incredibly fast master and incredibly mobile. Um, you know, we we've heard uh, even here on the show about you know masters like Karis and her flight is really great. Uh, McCabe, I think, is in some ways even more mobile because he does have a very high movement uh, move of seven. He also has unimpeded, which means that he can. Um, is completely unaffected by severe terrain. And he importantly has an ability called trample, which means that he can move through other models. So he can really just kind of run through most things with the exception of blocking or impassable terrain um, quite easily in the game. Um, oh, go ahead. That that trample ability um, is one of the many abilities that you come across that you read and go, wow, oh, that's pretty cool. But uh, you get that on the table and see that in play, and it's it is huge. Yeah, and I what I find, um, and we'll definitely dive into this, and I think Alex will have some interesting uh, thoughts on this. I'm sure is that uh, trample coupled with one of his other abilities. Um, 
really trips a lot of players up. Um, that other ability is called Make Way, and it's it's about how he interacts with both the movement and duels that he forces uh, opposing models to take if he moves over you. Um, so outside of that, though, um, McCabe also, in addition to the movement, the trample, the unimpeded, he also has Ride With Me, uh, which is a similar, um, same uh, bonus action that uh, the vast majority of the riders for each faction has, mm-hmm. uh, which is another five-inch push that he gets, um, along with being able to transport another model who's uh, size two or lower. Uh, so... McCabe himself offers a lot of mobility. Uh, he has very good attacks, um, but he also, one of the big mechanics and the famous mechanic uh, carrying over from uh, previous editions is his uh, scrounge for relics, which allows him to um, take corpse or scrap markers and discard them for an artifact upgrade that he can then, um, he has a built-in trigger to either dole it out to another um, minion or wastrel keyword model or keep it on himself. And the upgrades do varying degrees of uh, different things. One is the famous, uh, was dubbed uh, by a lot of folks in second ed as the lightsaber, his um, artifact that, uh, essentially allows you to ignore armor, hard to wound, hard to kill, and shielded. Um, But he has others that are of uh, varying degrees of usefulness, but he uses that to boost his crew. Um, And even for minials or wastrels, allow them to gain fast on the turn that they receive the artifact. Yeah, it, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, actions from a master are valuable things. You've got three of them and you've got a bonus action. And, you know, sometimes we can see actions on a master's card that, um, you know, seem significant. So in case of uh, uh, McCabe, now, is it a bonus action or it's a tactical action? It is a tactical action. So you can do it multiple times. And, you know, you always have to weigh um, whether that, you know, what the benefit that's being handed out is worth it. So like, for example, in like, say, Molly, Molly has an ability to re, uh, reactivate a forgotten minion. And, you know, when you first read something like that, you go, wow, that's great. But then you go, well, wait a second, I'm trading one action of a very limited pool of actions out of, of a master and handing it over to a minion. And is that good? So um, that's one of the things that I think is important when you're looking at McCabe um, is, you know, making that decision as cool as it is to throw relics around. Um, I think that you have to remember that you're you're spending a very limited resource when you do that. Absolutely. Uh, the other aspects, so that's one aspect of McCabe. Those are, those are the things that make him who he is and what he does. Uh, the really interesting thing with the rest of his crew is that, um, and it's twofold, and part of that is out of, I would say, necessity at this point, because McCabe has such a limited hiring pool. But the, the actual keyword models for Wastrel right now, um, by and large, are focused on scheming. Um, now they do have a few tricks here and there, but again, they are mostly mobile schemers. Um, his hucksters have a lot of ways to, to get around the table, um, and do various things and manipulate, uh, schemes and throw scheme markers out. Uh, also his new henchman, which is Desper LaRoe, um, he has a lot of mobility. I think he's probably one of the most mobile, um, 
models in the game. Um, just the amount of abilities for it to just get around where it needs to be, when it needs to be. Uh, so yeah, I would say that overall he really is focused as a crew a lot on um, high mobility tactics um, and really accomplishing those schemes and strats that really favor mobility. Yeah, uh, we've we've talked quite a lot on this show about, and, and you, with your other guests, have about mobility being really key um, in in third edition and, and the key to a lot of the strats and schemes, and and that's what McKay brings to you to your crew. If you're after a, an incredibly mobile master, that's. That's, that, that, that's McCabe. I like to liken him to um, maybe the Ten Thunders version of Zip. Nice. Um, in, in, in a way, is is maybe slightly less disruptive or annoying, though arguably not. Um, he, he might be slightly more damaging if uh, if the situation favors with grouped up models and um, and just supporting in different ways. Obviously, he doesn't put down piano markers or anything, but um, his sort of movement and um, and some of the some of the um, um, like the slow and the stagger that he puts on people are, are disruptive. Um, the the ride with me particularly helps with his mobility because it's um, it's cutting down on the disengages that he has to make. Oh, good um, point. It means that he can still be still be scheming um, and doing whatever job you need him to, even if he is engaged. And I think that's my my biggest point about McCabe. There is that um, he's incredibly flexible. He'll 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 fill any role you want him to um he'll, he'll never he won't fill them all um he can only really do you know one job at a time or two half jobs um but but he's a very flexible piece to get varying things done yeah and it's funny because when you see ride with me you know the first thing you think of is you know i i want to do that to to find some efficiencies by grant you know i'm going to move anyway and taking somebody with me but to kind of your point alex you know just the ability just to do a push as a zero whether you take somebody with you or not is important yeah yeah, yeah you push trample over a model cause a duel and then go and do whatever you wanted you want you know whatever you want to do yeah, and before we move on real quick, though, I, I, Alex, uh, can you kind of walk us through what I think is something that's very unique about McCabe? And um, can you talk to us about the mounted dismounted? Um, yeah, yeah, I can do so. Um, um, so yeah, he's got he's got a demise um, ability where when he's killed, um, he's instead replaced by um, by dismounted McCabe by uh, by McCabe on foot. Um, any upgrades that he had when he was when he's on his horse. Um, do transfer on, onto his onto his foot version, and uh, and he drops the corpse, you know, the, the corpse of his of his of his pony. Um, I think I think he l- does lose quite a lot of his flexibility once he's dismounted, uh, and he becomes a little bit more of a tarpy, like a, a tarpit sort of piece. Um, he's not running around scheming or, or disrupting as much, but if, if he's in the right place, he's still still very valuable. Um, in a way, it sort of gives him seventeen health. Um, cause he has 12 health when he's on his horse and then five when he's on foot. And I think I mentioned this before that it's a little bit like having a, a hard to kill halfway through your health track. Yep. Um, in a way that, you know, he takes the 12 wounds. If, if, if it would knock him over, it doesn't. And then he, he drops onto, on, he gets out on foot. Um, and it's, 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 it's quite important. Once, uh, in my eyes, once he goes down, once he comes off his horse, he does, it does lose uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah, but he's, he's still, he's still useful. And you get you get twelve wounds out of him when he's on the horse, so it's not yeah, like yeah. Uh, you know he's he's in there. And I think the one thing, real quick, to to make sure everybody knows is that it is a demise ability. So watch out for um, models on the other side of the table that mess with your ability to do yeah, a demise. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, 
Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Manos uh, out of Rezzers is an example. I think Charm Warders do it as well. Yeah, yeah, they do. Or Executes as well. Any, oh, good call. Uh, or yeah, execute. anything with an Execute trigger. Yeah, uh, I think when you look at them, the, the, the Wastrel crew uh, and you look at the keywords, you know, uh, you're starting a game, someone asks you about the keywords and you're thinking like looted supplies and uh, but then you're looking at upgrades. I think that's a little bit of a... No misdemeanor, but it's, it's it's a little bit false to just presume that that's what the crew is is about. Is those is card draw with with the markers and then and then the upgrades. I think it, it, it's it's an aspect, but it doesn't really uh, encapsulate it doesn't encapsulate the the, the, the speed that uh, that Robert was talking about earlier, and, and that might be due to the limited keyword at the moment. But um, the speed and the maneuverability is, is what we're talking about with that keyword. I think, in my opinion, more so than the looted supplies and the uh, and the upgrades. They just like the icing on the cake. Yeah, one one thing that I I like to um, tell people um, before they play against me with McCabe, or for there's a few folks in our meta who who have been curious about starting him, is that. W- I think that overall, um, at first glance, he seems like a, a mobility master, generalist type master. Um, when you're building a crew that's built around him, so his keyword crew, I actually find that he, I, I approach his crew more as control than anything else because he has access to so many models that one are going to be able to do the job that they need to do to score points but he also has enough room in his crew for some truly devastating abilities to disrupt the opponent and so there's models who are going to be doing scoring and there's going to be models who are going to be disrupting the opponent but the really frustrating thing for the opponent is that you as the opponent do not know necessarily which one is doing which job. Yeah, I mean, I've played against him a few times, and I can tell you that um, kind of the big thing that really hit me, and this is going to tie into what I think both you, Alex, and Robert are saying, is, boy, is he flexible. And he's flexible for the mobility that Alex is talking about, because he and his crew can get where they need to be to get the job done that needs to get done. But also, Robert, to what you're talking about, which is, you know, that, that ability to... In the middle of turn three, you realize because of the way that the game unfolded that you need to, you know, beef up a beater or you need to speed up a scheme runner and his ability to just toss those relics um, and make that happen when it needs to happen. I think uh, gives him a that flexibility is the word that keeps popping to mind when I was playing against him. Yeah, and and if I was to sort of try and generalize those roles like through the course of a game, and then Robert might have different ideas on this, but I, I find like my first two turns with McCabe is is that disruption is mm-hmm. slowing, staggering, um, causing loads of loads of jewels, um, and 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 really being an annoyance to my to my opponent, uh, and then maybe. Turn three and four, it's it's him doing some scheming or or some of the strats while being involved, or, or some or countering my opponents, and then five, it's getting that last point, whatever that wherever that victory point is, it's either getting me that victory point or denying my opponent that victory point, and that's how he's like the progression for McCabe. Uh, his role changes throughout the game tends to be for me, unless he's dead. <laughs> I will say, actually, I do a, things a little bit differently um, with with him up front. Um, I use turn one usually as a setup for turn for him, um, and we'll get into when we get into the, you know how we build our crews, why that is. But 
turn two, I do use to try and disrupt. I try to focus on a model where, and we'll get into how he forces a tremendous amount of duels on the opposing player. Uh, but then I, sometimes there are games where I don't even scheme with him at all because I just use him as a disrupting force throughout and as a support piece for all the other models um, in my crew. Um, it's not every game, but I'd say probably about a third of my games. He he has that role where he is just the, the ultimate disruptor. Um, I keep him alive just long enough to still just be a really, really, really big thorn in my opponent's side. Um, but I use the rest of the crew to try and score as much as possible. Alex, can we talk a little bit about kind of his attack actions? Um, I mean, we've kind of hinted um, what his attack actions do, but I'd like to get a feel of which attack actions you're using um, and you think have really the biggest impact um, in play. Yeah, so um, so as we mentioned, a lot of the, a lot of the games were around um, aggressive positioning and, and getting over that center line. So is two main attack actions and, and one that's relevant to this. The first one is, uh, that I use for that disruption is the net gun. Uh, so that's a, a ranged 10 inch attack, um, stat six resist movement, which is quite interesting. Um, it just does, um, it does some damage to two blast, three blast. Um, but the important thing is that it slows and staggers uh, any models that are damaged by it. So he can often, um, ride with me someone up the board, um, maybe move if he's not in position and then put a couple of net gun shots into a group of enemies, uh, particularly any sort of melee beaters or um, sort of like um, if your opponent's doing any sort of like um, combo-y sort of things in the first turn or uh, maybe people are just trying to move up, he can put a couple of shots into them, slow them, stagger them and that combination of of um, of conditions is, is, is really crippling. You know, being reduced to one AP and then going down from a movement five to a movement three, for example, is, you know, keeps you in your, almost in your deployment zone. Um, and, and having that on the blast as well, putting those conditions out on the blast is, um, is, is brutal. So that's the, that's the first, um, the first attack that, that is that disruption bit. But then his second one, um, we mentioned before the sort of the bull whip. It's a, a two inch melee, which on a 50 mil base is, as we, we, we all know, it covers a huge, huge area. Uh, the damage isn't particularly impressive on the surface, uh, two, three, four. Um, it's, it's that six for this defense. Um, but what it does do is it, it pushes McCabe two inches, um, and that's built into the attack. And then there's a built-in condition um, that says enemy models within two inches of him must pass the target number 13 defense duel or suffer two damage. Mm. So... What will often happen if we're talking like in combination with, with trample and the make way, you'll, you'll charge an enemy or a, a couple of enemies together. If you've got the movement, you'll, you'll trap, you'll charge over them, um, causing a, a movement 13 duel or suffering two damage. Um, you'll then, um, attack them at stat six. And if you, you'll place in a way that your base is touching one of the enemies when you make the attack. And if it's successful, you'll push two inches over them, uh, causing another duel. Um, and then you'll declare the trigger uh, with the RAM, which is built in, that causes everyone within two inches to make um, yet another duel. Um, so you, you could be looking at three duels for for, for, the, for one enemy and a, and a bunch of duels for people nearby. Um, and that sort of hand pressure is really... Um, really devastating really if, if they've got the cards they, they, they might be cheating um, if they don't have the cards then, um, then, then 
it's just on the look of the flip or, or not. Um, but that, that's why he tends, that's why he's quite good against those grouped up enemies because he's moving over them, causing repeated jewels, and his um, his attack is is pulsing out those those repeated jewels. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and w- one thing I, w- I want to add to that is that um, the the timing of when you pull off those charges or when you do the attacks is very important. Uh, the the bullwhip attack is always going to be that action, right? So if you charge into the enemy, the way make way works is that it's after resolving the action in which the mob moves through. So you're going to force, first you're going to force an opposed duel with your opponent. So if you have a good uh, hand, and even if you don't have the greatest hand, you probably have at least one or two to start cheating, because then after you, you're able to push that one through, then you're able to force upon your opponent uh, the fact that you made way right from the initial charge, especially if you just tag their base just a little bit. That's all you got to do. Um, and then you're forcing the second duel w- with uh, rear up. And so you're resolving that rear up trigger first, then you're doing the make way duel. Uh, when you're so really what you're doing is you're, you're going to start out at the start of that um, each attack action or each action that you're taking with McCabe, especially if you get into that big group, of each time you're for- forcing that opposed duel and then you're forcing two unopposed duels upon them if you are able to force your way through. So at most, you, the McCabe player, have to cheat three cards just so you win the duel. That's all you got to do. It doesn't even matter if you're getting, you know... Um, you know, double negative on the damage flip because you're still potentially forcing out almost, you know, potentially nine cards between your opponent's hand and their deck out of, out from them and going to potentially do anywhere between um, two and six minimum damage. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good, a really good point there, Robert. That actually, you're not that concerned by the accuracy of your, of your attack. You, you're just trying to force through the success. And then the, 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 it's the pulses themselves that really do the majority of the work. You're not, you're not too interested in being on a straight flip or a, or a double neg. The, the damage track itself is two, three, four on the attack. It's the, the pulses that, that, are, um, that are doing a lot of the work. Um, yeah, it, it, there is an interesting point though because it's lots and lots of multiple instances of damage. I don't know how you, if you found this, Robert, but armor is quite effective against him. Um, armor one takes all those two, all those chips of two damage down to one damage, and it's um, and so those, those armored models are quite hard to put down. I, I have found that the the solution I find to that with the armored models is one is um, his. Uh, upgrade artifact. The um, it was called the bladed artifact in the uh, um, yeah beta, but I think it's called time. Yeah, it's been a bit upgraded now. in there, must it? <laughs> Yeah, so so his uh, so his time worn blade allows the model's melee actions to ignore har- armor, hard to wound, hard to kill, and shielded conditions. So essentially, precise is, is the mm. name of the ability. Um, and so though when I am going up against an armored anything with McCabe, what I do tend to do instead is I I actually care a little bit more about the accuracy so that I can make up for some of that damage because I know okay I'm going to ignore the armor so if I can force in whether it's by using focus or something else um, a a straight damage flip so I can cheat in a severe then I'm making up for it a little bit 
um, and still able to maybe get six damage off on on the opposing model. So obviously he can carry his own relics. Um, how, how is he? Because it's different than in two, right? So how, how does he get a relic and how does he get it on him? Uh, so the, the biggest, easiest way with the relic is uh, his totem, Luna, uh, just drops a scrap marker as an action. She can only do it once. It's a tactical action for her, but she can just drop it. In, I think it's in base contact with her. Um, and it's from that marker that you can then set it up for McCabe. He just needs a scrap or a corpse marker, I think, within six inches um, on his ability called Scrounge for Relics, tactical action. Uh, you just need a, uh, a six for it to go off, and you discard the corpse or scrap marker within range. It's a five-inch range. And you attach an artifact upgrade to McCabe. Now, he has a built-in RAM trigger um, called Doling Out the Loop, where he chooses an artifact upgrade attached to him and then discards it. Then he attaches it immediately to a friendly minion or wastrel within six inches. So he can, once he, once he picks up off that scrap marker, he can keep it or, as part of the built-in trigger, hand it out. Exactly. So interestingly enough, Luna can also do that um, because she also has the ability scrounge for relics. So uh, the only issue with her is that she has to, um, she actually would have to cheat in um, if she did not flip the, the trigger to toss it out. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm not keen on McCabe doing my digging for my relics. I like his AP doing other stuff. Maybe we should get into how we set up, because I think that's quite important for for starting off this engine, really. Um, yeah, yeah, please yeah. So, do. So, Absolutely. So, um, so, yeah, as, as Robert mentioned, um, Luna digs up uh, the scrap marker for one of her AP, um, and what I usually do is I'll, then with a second AP, I'll, I'll turn that um, turn that scrap into an into an artifact. And she needs a, an, an eight to do it rather than a, a six from McCabe. And while McCabe's got the built-in trigger to hand it out, um, what she does, she gets it for the eight, and then she has to use the quick action that's on the artifact to hand it to someone else. Um, so I use Luna for all my all my artifact needs. Um, usually first activation, scrap marker, dig it up, and then I'll pass it to someone else. And this frees up McCabe's AP right from the start. Um, so my setup is usually, and this is one of the disadvantages I've found with McCabe's, although maybe just the way I play him, um, is a little bit huddled up um, with, with, with some of the wastrels. Uh, I'll have Luna putting down a, a scrap marker, picking it up, um, giving it to one of the wastrel crew, which um, when, means when they activate, they, uh, they get fast. And then I'll tend to activate the wastrel crew in order, um, giving out, using their quick action to to hand that artifact to the next wastrel in line before having their fast turn and then the next wastrel in line handing it to someone else before taking their fast turn. Um, and by doing this, you can give all of your wastrel crew and your minions fast in the first turn. Um, in sort of combination with this, um, I sort of I started doing it with Asami uh, with Amanozako because she had a she has an obey to to make someone do a, an action, and I'd obey a Luna to dig up a um, another another scrap marker after getting the artifact, and I'd use the scrap marker just for looted supplies. So every time I'm activating a wastrel, 
I'm drawing a card. Um, now, obviously, just in the wastrel um, keyword, um, you can use the hookers to do this with their um, with their false claim action. So their false claim action puts down two scheme markers um, needing a six, and with a ma- uh, but with a trigger on a mask instead, you can put down um, one scheme marker and a scrap marker. Um, so hopefully, you're hoping for a, a six of masks in your opening hand, or or if you've drawn one with a with um, a loot supplies, and then I'll have um, a hookster replace that um, that marker, that scrap marker, um, into the cluster, so that everyone activating um, triggers their loot supplies and they get to draw cards. Um, the other bonus for this is it means in the second turn, um, Luna's able to to sort of walk forwards, um, dig up another another relic. From that, from that one that was put down by the hookster, and hand it on again, so you can have two turns of um, a fair number of your minions and, and wastrels getting fast, without having to to stay back in your deployment zone to do it. That, that extra scrap allows you her to to, to keep it going, um, if that makes sense. I don't know if Robert does something slightly different, uh, or uh, so. So I actually I do uh, very similar on turn one, especially um, especially my hucksters and on Desper. Yeah. Um, the one thing I, I will add to what uh, Alex just said is that Luna also um, allows the friendly um, Wastrel minion models to actually, um, when they pass it off, to double the range of the take yeah. this uh, action, the bonus action that allows the um, the upgrade to be passed out to somebody else. So what what Alex was mentioning of moving Luna up further up the board on turn two, uh, it allows your crew then to spread out a little mm-hmm. bit more because she's in a more centralized location where then those models can, you know, you're not going to have as many models necessarily who are going to pass yeah. upgrades around, but you still get a fair amount of them who, who are getting fast and then becoming an issue because they're going to score points and your opponent has not a lot of options when most of your crew is getting fast. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Robert. It, it allows the take this action when you're passing it out to be 12 inches if you're within three inches of Luna. And, um, and I think Luna, Luna is able to, when it's, when it's declared, um, you can place, um, Luna in base contact with the target after the action resolves. So that gives, Luna sort of more mobility to, to move that aura around. Um, so you, you, you're not as restricted, uh, restricted, um, with your ranges of passing around as, as it looks like on, um, at first glance. So it sounds to me, Alex, like, you know, as a McCabe player, you have to be a little careful about, um, spending too much time passing stuff around turn one and turn two, because, uh, I think that, um, what we're all finding is that uh, the days of you and your crew huddled in your deployment zone for a couple turns um, just just doesn't cut it in three. So it sounds like you have to kind of find that balance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A- activation order is really, really important for the crew, and it it can be sometimes that can be something where you come up unstuck a little bit when you really want to activate something else. But if if this chain requires a certain order, so that's uh, the you know the pros cons sort of balancing decision making process that you've got to make going through that um but but you know there's got to be some disadvantages to the crew doesn't there <laughs> <laughs> and i and i will add to that that there are plenty of occasions where i have just completely broken yeah. the order of operations because it was either going to prevent my opponent for from scoring 
and I could stop them in that moment, or it was going to seal the deal where I had to act now to score the points. Otherwise, I would probably lose the chance for the game. Uh, so don't, so everything that we're saying, while it is all very good and it's going to work for most games, still, you know, and I think we've all mentioned it before here on the show, still do what's going to score you the points or deny your opponent. And, and keep keep that flexibility that McCabe brings to, to you know, you're choosing him to, to be that master that can respond. So don't get don't get bogged down with, with doing a set order of actions that that, that that tries to get the maximum amount of efficiency out of it. Efficiency is one thing. Um, and you know and having this combo or you know these series of actions that give you the most amount of resources and, and the most amount of AP. But yeah, like Robert said, if if you need to do something that's that's gonna deny points or or that's gonna interrupt your opponent and that's going to be more beneficial than you've got to do that. Yeah. And it's, you got, boy, you got to be careful with it too, because I mean, there's so many keywords out there now that, that have kind of really neat interactions. Um, so like the wastrels do with all of the relics and the scrap markers and the handing out fast over and over again, you know, Molly's got all the fading stuff that requires things to be activated in a certain order. McMorning, you know, getting everybody up to 10 poison by the beginning of turn two. Um, but I think we have made the point over and over again on this show that um you know uh that stuff may not be the may not be scoring your points and you need to be ready to abandon this turn two script you had in your head and, and pay attention to what's happening on the board yeah. i'll turn two i don't think i have yeah. a script well, but, but it's easy to it's easy to build one though when you're dealing with these types of you know these types of machines. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could see myself you know the first time looking at McCabe and go, I'm going to do this turn one A B C D E F G, and then yeah. I'm going to do this turn two once I've pushed Luna up and stuff like that. And that's fine, I think, to understand that and know that that can be done. But you know, you got to keep your head on a swivel. Oh, you you absolutely do. And I, I would say that um I, I can say even just from experience that I I will do the sort of upgrade engine um maybe once to twice per game. Um but I would say about half of my McCabe games, I abandoned it even halfway through turn yeah. one just because the, the opponent made mm-hmm. a mistake and it presented a very clear opening for me to score immediately at the top of, you know, yeah. turn two. And so capitalizing on that and then realizing, oh, okay, well, now I'll be able to set up these models to then, you know, only, I only really need fast on two of these models to really yeah. ensure that I'm going to score. Um, I think part of that also just depends on what you're taking and what you're using in a McCabe crew. Um, you know, the way Alex utilizes McCabe, especially as a hired in master, is very uh, different than how I use him um, as a, a strict. Uh, single master with the actual crew. Um, and I'm sure that he and I differ a little bit on how, you know, our crew selection there as well. Um, and so the, when, when you hear about the, the type of crew I take with McCabe, you'll understand why I, don't have to worry as much about the big engine because I'm just not using as many Wastrel, uh, keywords. Do you think we should, uh, take some time to talk about the actual artifacts themselves? Yeah, let's go. If you don't mind, Alex, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's there's um, there's three: um, the lightsaber, you know, time one blade, uh, the phantasmal mask, and the faded mirror. Um, so the as, as Robert uh, as already said, the the blade gives precise, ignoring armor, hard to wound, hard to kill, and shielded. Um, 
uh, all of all of the artifacts actually have a like a, a, a ability on them, and then they have a, a, a quick tactical action. Um, so the Time War Blades tactical action is um, a three-inch pulse, uh, stat five, target number ten, and all models within range must pass a target number twelve defense duel or suffer two damage. So that's um, increasing the amount of these um, these simple duels that your opponent's having to make. Um, though I don't find myself using it too much just because of um because of the ride with me it's also mm-hmm. a quick action and, and that can cause duels as well just by, by pushing over people and that m- movement often i find more more important um that's the blade the the mask um gives life leech so that one is um a four inch aura um and when an enemy model starts its activation within that aura um the model with the art- artifact heals one and the enemy uh, suffers one mm. um this is probably my, f- I don't know about Robert, but this is probably my favorite artifact. It's probably my, my go-to one. That if I'm not sure which one I need, I'll usually put this one on. And, um, and it will usually find its way back to McCabe, maybe by the end of, by the end of turn one, if I can, or, but I do, if, if I want a, an artifact on McCabe, um, I do like this one. He tends to get in the mix sometimes with, with groups of people and that, persistent drain on, on them uh, on, on their ticking for one health every time they activate along with the movement jewels and also healing him keeps him on his horse it can be a, a massive amount of healing if you're if you're near four people and they all activate and you get four health back so I, I really I really like the mask the quick action that goes with that is that friendly models uh, within range get shielded one um, and the range is a three inch pulse there's a trigger on it that heals the person with the artifact too and ends a condition on them. So that that can be quite useful if, if you're trying to, you know, along with the healing from the life leech to get that trigger off if you need some more healing on the model that's got the, the artifact. And then the last one is the faded mirror. And I don't use this one as much, but it, it definitely has its uses, obviously. Um, it gives you know the warrior which is the ability where when you cheat in an opposed duel with an enemy model, if you have focus, you can draw a card after resolving the action. Um, and it gives you a quick action to draw a card if your opponent's got more cards in their hands than, than you do. And they're both really strong abilities. Um, I suppose the, the the thing with using it there is um, whether your, let's say, say Sadia has Faded Mirror, um, does he use his focus for the for the attack, or does he keep the focused and you cheat and then get to draw a card? That's uh, mm-hmm. the decision making process there. Um, but it's but that, that was good if you if you down on cards or, or if your opponent's got if you're playing a crew that, against a crew that's got a, a really good card draw engine uh, or, or, or just draws a lot of cards itself, that one can can keep your hand topped up. Um, so yeah, those are the three artifacts. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I agree as far as um, the uh, mask being the um, probably the go-to. Um, yeah. So, so, so I do, I do like that one a lot. Um, I use it on a lot of models. Um, I will say that if you do struggle against players like or players who are using um, your Zoraida or um, Sandeep or uh, Yugo or Lynch, Faded Mirror is invaluable for making sure that those cards are uh, coming to you because there is not as much card draw um, unless you're guaranteeing that you're getting scrap or corpse markers out for your crew to loot corpses. Um, And so really having that extra uh, bonus action can be really key. 
Very interesting that, you know, when you think about all of those pulses and auras that those things hand out, when those things are on McCabe on that 50 mil base, I mean, you're covering yeah. a lot of ground. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Very cool. All right, guys, when, when we, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to dive in a little bit more on not only McCabe as a leader, and we're going to talk about what his core, what uh, the core crew is and uh, uh, what models we tend to hire into McCabe. But I also want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, him as a hired master as well. Uh, so we'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd Edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business and nobody has better quality and selection than mats by Mars. They're waterproof and they roll and unroll easily and they're even wet erase Marco compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3E overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order. If you really want to support us in the notes of your order, request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat. It's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler. Again, that's Matt by Mars. Use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get a 10% discount. Details are in the show notes. So, wow, you know, after doing several of these deep dives, um, I think this is one of the longest dives that um, uh, segments I've done just on the master because, you know, there's so much going on there. Um, but what I kind of like about everything that you guys talked about is each one of those different things, the mobility, the flexibility, the handing out fast, the the ability to put uh, the, the relic you need on McCabe or the relic you need on Sidir, um, those are all not just pretty and fun, but they're also pretty obvious paths to victory. Um, and it capitalizes then I think on that mobility and flexibility that we've talked about. But, um, Alex, I know that you have been using McCabe a lot as a hired master. And, uh, we actually got a really good question from the audience. Um, uh, Michael Hutchison, uh, called in and he, uh, he had a question. I'd like you uh, to hear your thoughts. So what masters do not benefit from McCabe as a second master? Okay, so um, that, that sounds like quite a loaded question, really. Which masters do do not benefit? I think if I was going to be obtuse, uh, I'd say, well, uh, well, none of them, because we currently only run single master in Britain. Um, or I could give the, uh, the the other answer, which is depends on strats and schemes. But I suppose if we're answering answering, I think I think what Michael's suggesting there is that uh, McCabe is such a strong master that that any other master can benefit from hiring him in as a second. Um, and I do see the, see the thought process in that. I, I, I like McCabe. That's why I, that's why I run him. Um, but he is 16 stones and that's, that's 16 stones that you're taking away from the rest of your crew. So the masters that don't benefit from him are those masters that really require, um, either a lot, a lot of models from their keyword or some synergies. So I say, um, Yanlo, Yanlo's another master that I run and I, um, I don't don't run McCabe with him because he he has he's quite pressed for for stones um, and he needs his stones for for his ancestors and his retainers that he's running and he can't afford um, in, in in my eyes uh, sixteen stones on McCabe to to add uh, McCabe would give him some obviously some more mobility and stuff but in a strat if I'm taking Yanlo in reckoning 
uh, and I don't need that mobility, then then McCabe's just just not worth those sixteen stones. I think maybe some other masters that probably wouldn't benefit too much from McCabe, um, maybe Shenlong, Shenlong and the monk keyword. Um, the more monks you're having, the more the more benefit you're getting from Shenlong swapping styles and getting concentrates. The more benefit you're getting from Sensei Yu and uh, and the aura that he's putting out. And McCabe would potentially just detract from from that synergy that you've already got within within your 15 stones. Um, maybe Masaki. Masaki already, in, in a similar vein to McCabe, um, she, she's she's quick and she'll put pressure on your opponent in a, in a different way than McCabe, in a more scalpel-y way, um, where, where, in where she appears from, from, her, from her, her shadows. Um, so maybe she already has that flexibility and that movement um, and doesn't really require any more from McCabe um, it, it does just depend on but, but yeah Stratza scheme wise if you need that movement then, then yeah a lot of crews can benefit from him um, the masters that do benefit a lot from, from him coming in uh, Mayfeng um, and uh, second, hiring McCabe as second master into Mayfeng um, you often get you know you get the benefit from your looted supplies almost constantly drawing the cards and you've got enough enough scrap to be to be digging up as many relics as as, uh, as you need, um, yeah, he'd probably benefit being in, in Lynch. Lynch is a, apart from teleporting Huggy and uh, and Kitty, it's a relatively sl- not not slow as such, but predictable crew in where it's going to be. Um, so McKay would bring something extra there. I think yeah, some masters would benefit from him more than others. Some masters not so much. Oh, I hope that answers his question. I, w- I would like to add to that that uh, two things. One is Yamlo, I think, uh, just really, really doesn't need anybody <laughs> else. Um, his crew, his crew is just one of those that I think uh, Weird just did a, a really, really wonderful job of making the in keyword cohesion so tight and so good that you rarely need to hire anything out of yeah. keyword with with that crew uh the second point i want to make is that um i i agree with everybody that alex just said the one thing i will add is that i have played around a bit with using mccabe with yuko and the amount of card pressure that mccabe alone can put on the opponent especially when you're bringing bringing him into a Yuko crew Mm. where you have Kabuki warriors who are size two and can benefit from McCabe having the ride with me ability. And the fact that Yuko is limiting the hand size of your opponent to five cards or generally five cards, unless you're playing against Arcanus um, really, 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 really puts even more pressure on the opponent. Um, and I do think that Yuko does lack a little bit of that mobility, a tiny amount of that um, extra buffing and crew support. And uh, outside of Kabuki Warriors, they, they lack a beater who can take a few hits. Yeah, I think the kind of the big takeaway I'll, uh, from what both of you just said is that, and this might not just apply to the, you know, talking about hiring McCabe, but I think there are definitely keywords out there that are more dependent on um, a crowd of 
having, you know, that keyword than others. Like, you know, you guys mentioned Yan Lo, um, you know, he really needs to have a lot of in keyword hires for him to, to, to reach full power. Um, you compare that to say, um, a Seamus, um, in Rezzers. Seamus really doesn't need all of that. Um, and it sounds like, um, from a decision-making standpoint, um, you have to kind of look at hiring, McCabe or any, any master as, you know, can I afford something out of faction, which I think for some leaders, um, is easier to be able to do and not lose effectiveness versus others. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And, and then, and then, yeah, like I said, it's a cop out, but the strats and the schemes, um, for whether McCabe's going to benefit, you know, yeah, the, the last game I played at the weekend at the Scottish GT was reckoning with Yanlo and, um, and I, there was no way I was putting McCabe into that. I, it would have detracted too much from the crew, but also it, it wouldn't have helped um, with with the with the schemes. It would have probably been a, to a detriment. I think, and the, and the way I played and the way the game turned out, it, it wouldn't have helped. No, that makes total sense to me. And Robert, that Yoku McCabe uh, combo that you just talked about, I, I got shivers even thinking about <laughs> the fact that, you know, Yoku is just destroying the size of the amount of cards that I can have in my hand. And then all that flipping that McCabe was going to make me do it. Um, I, I don't, I don't enjoy thinking about playing against that. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're, you're welcome. <laughs> so, Robert, um, I want to get a little bit more idea from you about uh, kind of your, your core crew when you're bringing McCabe as a leader. I mean, obviously, you're bringing in Luna, um, but um, can you kind of give me an idea? Is there some core beaters or schemers or support pieces that are making up the vast majority of your crews? Yeah, so I it, McCabe has been really interesting to me um, because, well, for two reasons. One is Compared to everybody else in 3E, he has the most limited in-keyword hiring pool. And it was revealed to us in beta that there was a reason for that. And the reason being is that because he is dual master and now uh, dual faction, and we now know that that is the Explorer Society, several models that are going to be his keyword, they are they are currently in development and they will be released when the new faction is released. Mm -hmm. But we, but that we knew going into the new edition that they would not be available to him for use in thunders. Uh, so that alone affects my crew building. Um, and has really shaped how I use him right now. And I imagine that as soon as Explorer society get released, I expect probably next year sometime. I don't know. Uh, we will see, you know, you would probably be able to have Alex and I back to have a completely different discussion on yeah, how yeah. McCabe works because I yeah, think that there will be a lot of things very different, not necessarily about how McCabe plays, but how the crew itself mm -hmm. functions. Uh, so with that being said, I, well, what's really interesting, the second point I want to make is that, uh, I actually have a list that is kind of a, and it's very rare for me in Malifaux, but it's my, my actual kind of weirdly all comers list with McCabe. Mm -hmm. Um, now I don't use this for every game. I use it probably for, I want to say 55% of my games. This is the, the, the crew that I take from top to bottom. Um, well then we, we can then talk a little bit about some other differences and other models I do like to take with him that are not these models, but, um, we'll start at the top. So, uh, weirdly enough, I, 
as much as I really enjoy Sadir as a character in Malifaux and um, all the fluff around him, and I do enjoy him, I actually don't take him terribly often, uh, mainly because... It, Unless it's a, a thing like Reckoning, I just don't see a lot of um, ways that he's going to score me points unless I'm using McCabe to get him moving up around the board. Um, and so I always, 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 at least in the beta, um, and hopefully for Gen Con, because they'll be get, uh, he'll be getting released, I always take Desper Lareau. And... That is probably the the number one model that I take, um, or one of two that I take every single game, uh, just because he is capable of so many things. Uh, so Desper is his henchman. Um, he only costs eight stones. Um, he's got a health of eight. He's got um, pretty basic stats of move five, defense five, willpower five. Um, what makes Desper so good is that he has leap. Um, which we all know and love, um, bonus action, uh, to place anywhere within six inches. Um, but front of card, he also has the typical looted supplies. So if there's a scrap or corpse nearby, you can draw a card. Um, he has don't mind me. So if he is engaged, he can still interact. Or, uh, if he had to take the disengage action, he can still interact. Uh, he has uh, what I think is probably one of his most important abilities, which is Expert Getaway, which states this model may ignore terrain and models while moving. Mm. So that's anything. It's almost, in some ways, it's essentially incorporeal without the damage reduction, right? Um, and so yeah. it just makes him very, very, very mobile for for accomplishing schemes, accomplishing strategies like um, plant explosives, uh, accomplishing, you know, getting the turf markers that are far away during turf war. Um, he, he's just so versatile. And that's before you even get to the point where uh, one of his abilities is loot their corpse at the end of this mall's activation. It may remove a corpse marker within aura two to add one soul stone to the crew soul stone pool. So if you're mm. playing against resers who are wanting to get corpse markers out there, or if your crew in reckoning is killing a lot of things and you're running low, you just need to get them nearby um, by the end of the activation to one of those corpse markers to remove it, to add a, a stone to your pool. Um, so in addition to those, he does have two attacks that are, uh, very interesting. Um, I don't use them that often because I'm using Desper to score. Um, and usually those more mobile schemes, like I mentioned, but, um, he does have a hidden blade attack, um, which is a one inch melee, um, stat five resist defense. Uh, it's got a built in crit strike. Uh, so the damage though is one, two, four, and the attack ignores armor base. So it is kind of a little sneaky way to to get through some of those armored um, models. Um, and like I said, it's got the built-in crit strike as well. So you can actually do a surprising amount of damage if, you know, um, you know, Mechorachnid Swarm or something like that gets, uh, uh, you know, up in his face. Um, he also has a really fascinating uh, range one melee called Expert Thief which it says target a model that can use soul stones. Target must discard a soul stone. If it does so, add a soul stone to this crew's soul stone pool. 
that's that's the attack. So it's got three triggers on it. Uh, one is repositioned to move up to three inches. One is well, it throws out stunned, and then the built-in trigger on a mask is once per activation, enemy only drop a scrap marker within two inches of the target. Um, again, setting up further uses for artifacts, uh, further card draw, etc. Um, he also has a eight-inch ranged um, attack called Grappling Hook, uh, which is similar to the Harpoon attack on some models. It's two, two, three damage. Um, it's got the pull and drag trigger, and then you're coming with me. So place him into base, uh, pl- or place the target, or push the target up to three inches, and then place the model into base contact. So just like McCabe, this model just does a lot. Um, it's definitely more on the mobile front, um, but it is one that I, I find that I'm taking uh, nine times out of ten. In my crews with McKay. Um, from there, as far as schemers go as well, um, I always take uh, hucksters, which you've already heard Alex and I talk a little bit about. Um, hucksters are one of those models that I think are what really helps define the McCabe crew and allows him to do certain schemes and strategies, um, but especially schemes that other crews will probably just completely ignore because it's so much more difficult for them to accomplish and hucksters make it very very easy so starting out hucksters again they have a very basic stat line they're health six they've got move defense and willpower five um they do have manipulative which helps uh prevent um favorable attack actions against them um, before they've activated. Um, They have the looted supplies ability for the card draw, and then they also have an ability called this will fetch a high price, um, which is after the model uses the interact action to remove any scheme marker, add one soul stone to the cruel's pool. So again, they they have counterplay, um, especially in things like harness the ley line, search the ruins, things like that, where they can get, in addition to preventing things that are going to allow your opponent to score, you're also now getting a benefit in that soul stone. Um, they have a an attack action called Gang Weapons, um, which uh, is good only, be- I think, only mainly because um, the target cannot declare resistance triggers from it. Otherwise, they're, they're decent attacks, but you're really not going to be using them terribly often. Um, their bonus action is uh, that's on their card is actually an attack action called Sales Pitch, which for me does not come up terribly often, but when it does, it is very fun and very funny. Um, and anytime I find my Huckster within six inches of an enemy model, I always attempt the action because it's a essentially free action anyway. So it is a stat five resist willpower, um, six inch range and it's enemy only this model and the target both discard the top card of their fate deck. If this model's discarded card is higher, draw that card. If the target's card is higher, they draw that card and this model adds a soul stone to its crew's soul stone pool. So no matter what, if it goes through, you're getting a benefit. But even just forcing the duel upon your opponent, you're at least taking a card out of their hand. Or out of their deck, possibly their hand, if they're trying to avoid losing their soul stones. I was, I was, gonna, I was just going to say, the, 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 the only um, situation where, where you don't get a benefit from using that is when you uh, you both reveal the same, you know, the same value card. And the amount of times that this has happened to me is... Ex- 
exceedingly frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, excellent. I'm going to get a stone, or or I'll get a card, and then you both reveal a thirteen, and you're like, oh. and you both reveal a ten, and you're like, oh no. So, but yeah, apart from that situation, you always get a benefit, aren't you? You're always getting a stone or a card, and the and the idea of just sort of you know opening up your coat and selling someone loads of used watches is is hilarious. <laughs> I really like sales pitch. Yeah, it, it's one of my favorite. It's such a unique action, um, and the, there's just no reason not to try it. Um, so the the one thing I will say also, or the the next thing about them that I think is very very important, and probably arguably the most important aspect of the Hucksters is both of their tactical actions, and the fact that they both they have these two combined to me makes them probably the best scheme runners, especially for points and efficiency, uh, in my opinion, in the game right now. Uh, so the first one is False Claim, uh, which I believe Union Miners also have this. I can't remember who else in the game has it. It's a three-inch range, stat of six, target number 12, and the action cannot be taken while engaged. You drop two scheme markers within range. During the end phase, you have to remove just any friendly scheme marker from place, just one. Uh, as Alex mentioned earlier, there is a um, mass trigger where instead of dropping the two scheme markers, uh, they can drop a scheme and a scrap. So this ability I find is tremendous for being able to um, condense the area that you need to use for things like harness the ley line, um, which makes accomplishing that scheme so much easier because you're not limited to the interact um, limitation of you know the four inches for the scheme markers. Uh, I also find it tremendous for pulling off detonate charges, which so many players I find ignore um, because you can really just accomplish this in in one activation. you know save a huckster for the end and then just accomplish it as long as you've got the sixes in hand to, to make sure that you, you get it off. Um, the other thing that makes Hucksters incredible is that just like Seamus, they have the secret passage ability. So 12-inch range, stat of six, target number 14. So you need an eight for it to go off, but the action states that this action can, may only be declared if this model is within one inch of blocking terrain, Place this model anywhere within range that is within one inch of blocking terrain. So essentially you have these models who are going to be able to get multiple scheme markers off in one activation while simultaneously being able to teleport across the board. And when you couple these incredible tactical actions with the fact that you can have fast on these hucksters, means that you can do very silly things like teleport across the board in one turn, 24 inches, technically about 25. But also, you can end up putting out three scheme markers in one turn, all in one place, such as right on the ley line or right on to a model that you've cornered after secret passaging. And there's just a lot of weird nifty tricks that these guys are able to accomplish. Yeah, and, and and just just to just to sort of elaborate on what Robert's saying, or maybe not not even elaborate, just hooks us. This this because of these abilities are so important for the crew, and and it's 
really shocking what, what they can do. Like Robert said, they just teleport up to a to a corner of the board, out of the way, next to a building, interact, drop a, a ski marker on on the line, and then um, yeah, and, and then false claim to put two more down and single handedly, um, yeah, s- s- single handedly get uh, harness the lay line just by themselves when they weren't even on the center line to start off with. Um, that, that's that's really really powerful, you know. Surprising someone, dropping two skier markers down, and getting detonated all by themselves, really 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 powerful. And, and from out of nowhere, it can sometimes feel they they can they can be a little bit card intensive because you need to pass the jewels to do this. Um, but hopefully, you know, you you're prioritizing those sixes and eights um, that you need for the jewels, and um, and with looted supplies, hopefully you're, draw, you're helping you to draw some more. What's interesting to me about what you guys are saying is, you know, uh, detonate the charges and harness the ley line. I often see those as, you know, s- kind of schemes that are tough um, and they can be challenging. And in most crews, I would, you know, they would be my last choice <laughs> if I you know, was forced into it. It sounds like uh, because of, you know, again, the speed and those hucksters and stuff that um, you have a lot more schemes in play. Yeah, so so what it does is it almost most crews might have like you know five ideal schemes that they want to do or or a few more, but but the, the wastrel crew you can all almost you know, you can you can just do all of them if you want. So you can really look at a scheme point and be like, actually, I could theoretically do all of that, and that, that's really hard for your opponent to keep guessing. Sometimes you can look at a crew, an opponent's crew, and you can you like okay, they're doing these two or maybe two of these three, uh, and with the wastrel crew you. You don't know which ones they're doing. If, you, if your terrain's right, exactly what they're doing with Harness the Leyline, they can do for Search the Ruins. They can just jump up into your opponent's half, put two schemes next to two different pieces of terrain, score your first point for Search the Ruins. Um, so yeah, it really, really opens up a, a, a wider range of, um, of schemes that are maybe more difficult for other crews. They can, you know, they jump into the sides for Outflank, etc., Power Ritual, easy done. Sorry, sorry, Robert, come on. Oh, I was going to say, one of the things uh, I really like about the combination of these two models, um, but especially because of the Hucksters, especially if they get fast on them, is if Power Ritual, for instance, is in there, but I also have other schemes that I know I can get as well. I'll fake Power Ritual with just a false claim, especially <laughs> yeah. if it's corner or flank deployment. I will just fake it and I'll just throw you know the scheme marker out, make my opponent think that that's the scheme marker and just leave it there the whole game. And then you know if it's Search the Ruins or something else or Breakthrough or any number of the other things that allow, you know, or outflank, I'll go and actually accomplish one of those instead of the actual power ritual, but make them think that I'm doing power ritual the whole time. So that hopefully I'm getting them to either have to go and waste actions to go and try and, you know, pick up one of those scheme markers. And, and then you use your initial scheme that you were faking power ritual to be the one that you remove for the false claim. So, <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's, it's powering up. And, and that is a consideration that you do have to remove a scheme marker somewhere on the table. So you do have to have um, maybe someone supporting that um, if you want. And, and I think maybe that's a role for the ruffian sometimes. That's, that's what I use them for anyway. Um, yeah, I, I use it. Ruffian, I sometimes I'll use the Tanuki as well yeah. Um, yeah. For, for dropping that extra one. So, um, so, so outside of those scheming models, um, the, the next two that I want to talk about that are, are in this kind of all comers list that I use um, are really interesting because I, I have a feeling, Craig, that you're itching to ask about beaters. Um, and the, the two models that I'm about to bring up are actually, they are beaters on the surface, 
but I also find them to be tremendous scheme runners, which is why I take them in a, the majority of my lists. And those are the Dawn Serpent and the Shadow Emissary. Mm. Um, so Shadow Emissary is uh, cost 10, Dawn Serpent cost 9. The reason I like to take both of them, and I, I call this list my, my twin dragon list, um, is because both are incredibly fast. So they are, and they're very mobile because they both have flight. They are minimum movement of 6 each. Um, the Emissary 6, the Dawn Serpent actually has a move of 7. Um, the Emissary and the Dawn Serpent are also both uh, flyers. They both have flight, so they can ignore some of the terrain and things like that, and other models as they're making the walk or charge action. The other thing that I, I like that they both share is that they both share hard to kill, and on top of that, they both share agile, which means that the model may leave the engagement range of enemy models with the walk action. The other reason I like these models is that they both have minimum three damage melee attacks. And so, and a, and a decent uh, health pool of, I think, a minimum of nine health uh, for each one. So what I like about the, these two models is that they can get exactly where I need them to be. And again, that disruption that McCabe can actually pull off. And when I mentioned uh, that I treat McCabe a little bit like a control master, partially it's because of these two models, that between him and the Emissary and the Dawn Serpent, I'm able to be very aggressive in my early turns, get up into some minions that I think might be scheming, or get into a master's face, or get into a henchman's face, or the enemy's big beater, and I'm bringing now a dragon who, uh, as soon as he places, forces a movement duel, or suffers two damage in the Shadow Emissary, and is terrifying. Or the Dawn Serpent, who heals when he's near models, and also has counterspell, so uh, forcing the enemy to discard a card to declare triggers. So I'm placing these models who are fast, mobile, can get out of combat, but also are going to tear you up in combat that you have to deal with. But then you as the opponent are potentially going to waste actions trying to kill them when the Dawn Serpent is going to heal. They both have hard to kill, and I usually take a Tanuki to help heal and support uh, one or both of these models as well. And so you're really just putting the opponent into a really bad situation where they have to figure out what is going to be my best course of action for dealing with these models who are in my face and are going to leave anytime they want. Yeah, and and to, to, yeah, uh, that's those are excellent points, Robert. That so on the surface, these dragons look like beaters. You know, they're, they're nine and ten stone, big cost, minimum damage. You know, stat six beaters. Um, that almost feel like they have to be answered by your opponent. But then when you need to, they they, they scheme with the agile. They can they can just leave and 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 go off and score your points or deny points if you need them to. I, I've been I've been getting a lot of work out of the Dawn Serpent, and I know he looks a bit like, you know, the, the lesser, smaller brother of the Shadow Emissary. But I, I'm really, really liking him. He's, the movement seven, it, flight is crucial, and he he really can bully a flank if you need him to. I'll, I'll deploy him on a flank, and he'll. I think I think maybe what we've alluded to before is that the Hooksters and, and Desper are, are scoring a lot of points and they're doing an awful lot of the job, but. 
you know, the last thing you want is your opponent to be reaching out and killing them. And the Dawn Serpent really helps to protect them just by his positioning and him sort of bullying models that go after them um, with his with his healing aura um, that can do burning and then, you know, his, his minimum damage to me. But then you can just leave, in, leave engagement, kick an idol over the center and then heal back up if he needs to. And that's and that's exactly. really really powerful. Yeah, there was a game at the weekend. He he held up maybe twenty stones with of Ophelia's crew, um, just like <laughs> just fighting off fighting off uh, off gremlins and healing back up. And then at the end, and then at the end of one turn, he he flew. He caught me. He got me um, take prisoner uh, on Raphael. And then the next turn, he just flew off to the corner and put uh, the last point for for power ritual down. Um, He's brilliant as a Dawn Serpent. Really is such a such a, such a wonderful model, and I don't think he gets as much love as uh, as, as, he, as he deserves. Very flexible, <laughs> similar to McCabe. Oh yeah, I mean he he really uh, one. So there's two other reasons that I take both the Dawn Serpent and the Shadow Emissary. And uh, for the Dawn Serpent, one thing that I just I don't do it all the time, but when I do it, it's a lot of fun and it's really funny, and the opponent does not expect it. And that is the fact that Ride With Me has to be a model who is a size lower than McCabe, right? It has to be size two or, or one. The Dawn Serpent is size two, which means that after you've activated McCabe and do your Ride With Me, you can actually get that Dawn Serpent on turn one, five inches further, well, actually more than five inches further up the board mm. for it then to then be able to go wherever the heck it wants yeah. on turn one. And so you're disrupting a model, possibly two or three, immediately that the opponent now has to deal with on turn two. Yeah, it sounds to me like you know you've got you've got part of this crew you know scoring your points, um, and it's and you know you want they're they're not maybe the uh, hardest to kill models as most point scoring schemers are, but what I think is interesting is your double dragons and, and McCabe too can put pressure. Um, and you know, that pressure sounds like can be in the form of dealing out some damage. Uh, that pressure could be in the form of being able to react to opponents movements because they have the mobility. And that pressure also sounds like to be coming from the fact that, um, they both can tar pit a little bit. Yeah. And so then the one thing I do want to say about the shadow, shadow emissary, the other reason you take him, and I think it is to, to Alex's earlier point as, uh, the, Dawn Serpent doesn't get as much love as the Shadow Emissary. I think the reason being is that the Shadow Emissary has a very, very powerful um, quick action called Prophecies in Thunder, uh, which is a six-inch range, stat six, target number 12, that allows you to set aside your control hand and draw a number of cards equal to the uh, number that were set aside. You then shuffle the set-aside cards and place them either on the top or bottom of your fate deck. More importantly, there is a trigger, a mass trigger, that forces both players to then shuffle their discard pile into their fate deck. Then the player with the least amount of cards in their control hand draws cards until they have as many cards in their control hand as the other player. So what you're doing is you are using the Shadow Emissary not only just as this disruptor, schemer, tar pit, beater, but you're also getting a tremendous amount of card draw um, and deck manipulation that you would not otherwise have, and that can really, really help McCabe either at the start of the game, start of the uh, turn, mid turn, or even late turn. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm not sure why it's got a range on it though. 
She's got a six inch range. I, I'm not <laughs> sure either. It's it's got the six inch range. It's one of those weird things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have noticed that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So we obviously, you know, because we kind of teed it off this way, and I think anybody who's played, a, you know, seen McCabe on the other side of the table is aware of, you know, what a good second master you can be. Um, uh, Alex, have you ever, ever found yourself hiring a master in, when McCabe's the leader? Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm probably different from Robert where he's, he's made this alchemist list that, that actually sounds really impressive and I might, I might give it a go with the double dragons, but I, I run McCabe for a, a very, very set strategy and scheme pool. Um, your listeners if, if probably know that I'm running Asami and Yanlo quite a bit, but I run McCabe in a, in a very set pool. So, um, I don't usually put a second master in and with him. And also now that in Britain, we don't, we don't do second masters in uh, competitively, <laughs> so I'm I'm just I'm just running in for a, a set strategy and uh, and mm-hmm. a pool, and and that's plant, that's plant explosives, and uh, or, or, or I, I, I can do them in idols and um and turf war, um I prefer if it's um if it's um corner deployment, um that, that's when I, I really consider him, uh, but no, no no second masters with him, just just him and him and his crew, and and, and all the versatiles. Yeah. How about you, Robert? Uh, I think I alluded this to this earlier um, to the listener's question, but I think Yuko is a lot of fun with him. Um, I I, it, I will usually do that if it's something like Reckoning, right? It's a lot harder to kill a master. Um, so I would, depending on what the schemes are, um, Yuko is one that I, w- I would take with McCabe just because you're you're gonna force so many duels between Dawn Serpent, uh, Shadow Emissary, and McCabe, and then not to mention Yuko's actual activations before you even get to the uh, part where she's reducing your hand size anyway. Um, so usually for something like that, where I have to do a little bit more killing, um, and I'm worried about you know if assassination or something like that's in there, um, having that second master and especially one who's going to reduce the the card hand that's, size. That's, um, that's risky and, and reckoning with them. We want yeah. three 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 points, isn't it? Yoko is not is, too tough. It it is a little bit it is a little bit risky. So you got to play it very very yeah, very yeah. very aggressively. But but you do have the ability, and you have a little bit more of that card draw yeah. as well um, with Yuko yeah. in there, and so and also the pass tokens, you yeah. know, by having her there as well. So there there is some synergy, but overall, I really find that you you don't need anybody else with McCabe, um, especially if you're running McCabe as, as your main master, just because the the crew and some of the other things are are just a lot more efficient. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, even somebody like Misaki, while she does offer a lot of mobility, a lot of what you would end up using Misaki for, McCabe can do and Desper can do. Right. Yeah. And you're still yeah, saving I, com- I completely agree. And you'll have a lot, you know, and you'll have a lot more actions um, available to you instead of yeah. being sucked into to just one master. Robert, what is uh, what is Yoku's um, leader only ability? I can't remember it off the top of my head. Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. I could look it up for you real quick. Yeah, I can't I, remember I, if her card, her, the, the hand restriction is leader only or not. The, I think I think it might be the minus one one hand size as, as, as leader only. Yeah, but that's yeah, not I the only that. hand pressure she's putting. So no, she does um, lots with her abilities, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's um, 
that's nasty. And I could see, you know, both having McCabe hired into a Yoko crew sounds terrible. Um, and having her in a McCabe crew, but, um, I wasn't surprised that you guys, um, you know, end up saying, you know, it's very rare that you hire a master into McCabe because it sounds like, you know, a lot of times we're bringing a ma- hiring a master to fill a gap. Um, and with all of this flexibility that we keep beating, um, beating around it, um, he may not have the gaps that you might see somewhere else. Yeah. And it's his crew that are focused while he's flexible. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. I, I feel like I need to I need to give some love to Sadia. Robert said he doesn't use him too much, um, but I, I feel he does have a very set purpose, um, and and that is if you if you need someone to hold that middle, he can do it. He's he's very very contrasting to the rest of the crew's speed, um, but in in some games when you, when your opponent reveals their master and um, and you know that they're going to be trying to come up the middle, um, sometimes you need someone. Sometimes you need someone there. Sometimes it's detrimental to have it there. But you know, if, if you're trying to contest a claim jump, um, or of is a reasonable target for Vendetta. Um, he, he's, he's got his place. He's got his place to sit Um in, in in particular pools. Um, I like him. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I do agree that uh, he definitely has his place and there are, are situations where you will use him. Uh, the biggest place that I will use him is if I know I'm going up against, you know, a Titania or um, even Rasputina because yeah. of Aura to Hell. Um, and the fact yeah. that he can really take care of that destructible terrain and that can be his first action before he just unloads his machine gun into a bunch yeah. of things. Um, so I, I do like him. I do like that most of the time if he's he's walking, he is going to have focus, and that will definitely help his shots. Um, yep. But he just, uh, for a lot of the, uh, the strats and schemes right now, um, really claim jump. You're absolutely right. And turf war are the, the areas where I would take him to both either contest or even potentially be the one to try and uh, dominate yeah. to be the scoring model for claim jump. Yep. Yep. No, yeah, they're good. I, I've got a couple more models I sometimes use in McCabe Cruz. We Please. can maybe talk about them. Um, I, I really like Samurai at the moment. Um, and I know they've probably used quite similar in Sidious role, but being a minion, he can benefit from the artifacts and get fast. Um, and I've been often putting trained, the upgrade trained ninja on the samurai. Um, so this gives some stealth unimpeded and from the shadows. So you can deploy your samurai right up the board quite aggressively, um, with the confidence that the rest of the crew is going to be up and joining him very soon. I think often the mistake with a, maybe a, a trained ninja model is that they just get killed very quickly and, don't, and aren't that impactful. But um, with the rest of the crew being so fast, fast and able to come and support him, um, and also he's actually really, really tough with two armor and the ability to heal, um, I quite like taking a, a samurai. Um, either with, with trained ninja or not, but samurais have their place. They're really good. They're really strong. Um... Also, yeah, we could do some more models. Uh, I've been experimenting a bit with Minako Ray now that she's versatile. Um, so we're not paying the extra extra cost for her. She's eight stones. Um, and she's any leftover scrap. She's turning them into Katashiro, um, which is which is even more scheme runners for, for the crew. Mm-hmm. And, and Katashiro are, are, are wonderful. Um, I'm an Asami player, so uh, not having to flip for the leap and... Uh, and yeah, just being able to scheme basically effectively always having three AP, a minimum of three AP, sometimes more if you're taking advantage of the uh, of the free attacks on the place. Um, Katashiro are really good. Minako Ray making them out of the scrap markers and then being a model that your opponent really doesn't want to put attacks into 
because of the karmic fate upgrade um, can can be really disruptive. She's she's almost yeah she punishes your opponent for um for for, for looking at her wrong you know because then she retaliates with irreducible damage and and makes yeah. uh, makes a one yudo. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm quite liking her at the moment. So. I, I'm yeah. very glad that you mentioned Monaco Ray because uh, she is my alternative list. Um, yeah. So usually I, I take out either Dawn Serpent or Shadow Emissary in favor of her. Yeah. Um, and it's especially in very schemey um, lists, especially things like Outflank or um, any of the, like, the major mo- mobility ones. The Katashiro are so good at scoring so many different types of things because of that free placement. Um, I also really, really it's funny that you mentioned her being versatile because when I found out that was probably to me the most monumental change yeah, from it was, closed it was, beta to uh, or from open beta to M3E release. That was the biggest change that I saw yep. anywhere is that she's now versatile. So I was already taking her at nine stones and the fact yeah, that so, so, so was I. <laughs> and, and yeah, the fact that she's eight is just it, it blew my mind. And I, I remember telling Roman when he pointed it out to me, I was like, well that is certainly something I'm going to exploit immediately because it's she she can be very, very powerful and and the fact that you um usually I'll activate her last on turn one after I've used um Used a up scrap and gotten a huckster to you know false claim a um, scrap marker out in addition to the scheme uh, scheme marker. Um, that way everybody has already drawn their cards. That way the the artifacts already out, and then she'll make that Katashiro. And then on you know turns two or three, if I'm not making an artifact, Luna is you know dropping the scrap just for her to to create another Katashiro very easily. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it, and and that's that's a really a really um, interesting balance that you, that you that we're making there, and, and that's something that, that maybe we need to tell to your listeners about. About when you're playing the crew, is is that card balance? Um, there's quite a bit of card draw in the crew with with looted supplies and and with the with the quality of a quick action on on Minico or on the faded mirror uh, or, or with the shadow emissary, sort of like changing the quality of your hand. So there is an awful lot there, but it's quite situational and it's not always prominent. Um, and you're always trying to balance those those target numbers with the drawing the cards, with the you know the, the tens for making Katashiro if you're running Minako Ray. Um, so it's it's really like this fine balance. You can have you can have lots of cards, you can have not very many, but you're always trying to trying to weave it and make the most of that situation. And that's and then you need the high cards for McCabe to be forcing his jewels. So it's really um, it, it, it requires that balance. Um, Sometimes you can have loads and it's really easy. Other times you, you struggle a little bit and you have to put a bit more effort into it. Well, I can tell you right now what scares the heck out of me is the fact that uh, you guys are putting what really sounds just to be some effective crews together. And we haven't even seen, it sounds like, half of his models. Um, <laughs> I, I fear I fear when the explorer, explorers come out that um, he's going to get even more uh, tools in his belt, and that's scary to me. Um, so, guys, let's take a quick break. When we get back from the break, I want to talk a little bit more about um, you know how we, how we potentially can build um, to different uh, strategies strategies and schemes. Uh, So we'll be right back. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. 
Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. Okay, wow. Um, it uh, There's a lot going on there. Um, I, I, I get a sense that... Um, you're going to want to get a couple games of McCabe under your belt um, before you maybe even bring him, you know, to a competitive game because um, it sounds like there's a lot going on and you're going to want to really, you know, fully understand um, all of those tools that are available to you. Um, Alex, I want to try to think about um, the pools a little bit. So let's start with strategies. Is there, you, you kind of hinted at it. Is there a strategy that, um, or a strategy combined with a deployment that makes you immediately pull out your McCabe? Yes, yeah, plant explosives, corner deployment. Um, I think the deployment's really, really um, important when thinking about McCabe. If you're looking at wedge or maybe even standard, um, you've got so much speed in the crew to be able to reach out across the board wherever you want. Um, what you don't want is you don't want your, your vulnerable pieces getting killed too soon and, and, and stopping you from being able to scheme or strat. So I really like corner deployment because it allows me to maybe have a little bit of that engine in the first turn and, and make it a little bit more difficult for my opponent to interrupt that. Um, but if I need to step out of that and go and disrupt my opponent, I still can because I'm really fast. Um, so corner deployment's really, um, it, it always makes me think of my cave, just corner deployment. Uh, but plant explosives, plant explosives is, is, feels like his strategy. Um, you put you put a bomb on each of the hooksters, and and they'll they'll easily get one down. And you can put a couple on McCabe himself if if you're okay with him doing some scheming. Uh, I know that me and Robert have taught slightly different roles with him, but if, I, I'm I'm happy with him with him putting the odd bomb down every now and again. And and being I like bombs on masters because they've got more AP and they're usually tougher, so they don't give them up to the opponent. And then you can find someone else to have a bomb, whether it be a Dawn Serpent, whether it be a Shadow Emissary, or, you know, whether, but someone else who's, who's up, Dawn Serpent's gonna, gonna get a bomb, actually. There's no, there's no one else that's gonna get it. It's the Dawn Serpent. Um, so, yeah, plant explosives, because you can, you can really, with, with the fast crew at the beginning, your hooksters can get a bomb down, you can get their bombs down turn one, uh, and you've got two bombs down. Your Dawn Serpent's ready to put one down turn two. McCabe's probably not putting his bomb down turn one. I'm probably firing his net gun or doing some other things, but he can always put his bomb down because he'll just ride with me out of combat, put it down somewhere sneaky in my opponent's deployment zone and then come back into the action. Um, and the other thing to mention about McCabe um, in plant explosives uh, is how you counter it really, really well. So you, um, your bomb markers are... are the 30 mil, so they're slightly over an inch. Most people's melee ranges are an inch or in, in this game. So McCabe can just push to the other side of a bomb marker from where someone put it down, pick it up, and then he can just bugger off somewhere mm -hmm. else. And just he can just pick up their bomb that they put down in your half and then just ride away and put it down in their half all in one activation. So um, I, I, I love him in, in plant explosives. Really He's, he's, he's brilliant. You, you put all your bombs down and then you, you start hoovering up theirs or, or disrupting their ability to pick up yours. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I, that's corner deployment, plant explosives is, uh, is my ideal. 
The only thing I would add to that is that Desper is another excellent target for those oh, yeah. explosives <laughs> markers. Because uh, you can put a two on her or on him and he's just going to go where wherever you need him to go. Yeah, you, you probably actually, re- revisiting my statement, you probably put one on each of them. I haven't used Desper too, too much. Um, it took me a while to make my, uh, my own proxy. So he hasn't, he hasn't had as much table time as, as, uh, as, as I think the rest of the crew has. And with me using McCabe in, as, um, as a second master, I'm more focused on him. Um, but yeah, y- you're right. There's, there's enough in the, uh, in the crew that can put the bombs down. Uh, scheme and disrupt your opponent. Yeah, normally when I think about who gets the bombs, you know, I think who's who's fast and who's resilient, and I, and I need both. But what's interesting about those hucksters is that they're like Seamus. You know, that teleport means they don't have to be that resilient because they can be over there fast, and they can just drop the bomb. And then if you you know if you kill them, you kill them. But because they've they've done their job, it's one of those rare times where just being where just fast is is, is good enough. And and one thing about those hucksters too is that. The secret passage, just like Seamus, they can do that even if they're engaged. They can't yep. do false claim, but they can definitely do secret passage. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, how about, uh, is there a strategy or a deployment, um, Robert, that, that you love that's outside of the corner plant explosives, or are you pretty aligned with Alex? Uh, I, I definitely am aligned with Alex on uh, plant explosives. Corner definitely helps a lot, especially for getting that artifact engine for everybody fast on turn one. I do like flank, um, flank turf war as well with McCabe, um, mainly just because it it allows number one with flank. It's very easy to score that first, you know, get that first turf marker. But flank also gives you a lot more terrain options in your deployment zone for setting up hucksters and setting up Desper to then go where you want them to go uh, during the turn. So you're, you're more likely to have more blocking terrain options and thus more of a um, uh, array of the field for secret passageway for those hucksters. Um, and then you have more different types of terrain for Desper to ignore or hide behind before he goes wherever you need him to go yeah uh, so i was gonna say that's a, that's a really good point robert uh, and probably um i'm probably skipping ahead a, a, a section of about countering him but um putting mccabe in, in a deployment zone where there's no blocking terrain makes him really sad <laughs> yes well and it's something to think about when you're when you're looking at when you're flipping up against him and uh deciding attacker defender huh yeah it definitely is i mean you, you're the thing. Fact of the matter is, you're always going to have blocking terrain out there. Um, one thing that it did strike me as very interesting is that uh, somebody like Rasputina at first you would think is a very good counter for McCabe, until you realize that the Hucksters totally love seeing those ice pillar markers yeah. pop up on the board. Now, Robert, thinking about schemes, is is can you give me maybe two or three schemes that uh, that you just find uh, a McCabe crew really good at? Yeah, so one we've already talked quite a bit about, so I won't dive too much into it, but detonate charges is one that I think, uh, because of the Hucksters, and honestly because of things like Katashiro being summoned in by Monaco Ray, and the agility, uh, the agile ability on um, Dawn Serpent and uh, Shadow Emissary is very, very, very... There's so many varied ways to score uh, detonate charges. So that is one where if I see it in the pool, I'm definitely going to consider it uh, for my McCabe crews. Um, I really like um, Search the Ruins in McCabe crew as well because there are so many models 
who can score it. And so it's very forgiving, um, again, because of Desperth, Hucksters, um, and, and the two dragons. Uh, same thing if you're bringing Monaco instead and the, the Katashiro. Um, the other scheme that I, other schemes that I really like with him are breakthrough. Um, I like harness the ley line. Uh, we mentioned some of the reasons for that as well. Uh, breakthrough is the same reason that I like, uh, um, search the ruins. It's not a, a huge feat for one, if not more, of your models to get into the enemy deployment zone and start dropping ski markers there. Um, and, but that being said, I think that he does just as well with some of the killing schemes, especially things like vendetta um, and assassinate. Um, there, there are definitely ways, uh, especially if you're going up against a master who who cannot contend with the amount of duels that you're forcing upon them between McCabe's attack actions and being backed up by um, some min three damage beaters. Um, you, you can really get those assassination points very quickly, especially if you're putting on that that hand pressure. Um, so those those are schemes that I really like for him. Uh, the, the the aforementioned, I guess, top four instead of three are those more mobile ones, but he really is capable, and his crew is so forgiving that he can really accomplish most of them. I, th- I think another point to add is is that because he can accomplish a lot of those things, you only ever picking two schemes, aren't you? So you you probably want some schemes in that pool that he's good at denying as well, denying your opponent. Yep. Um, and there's an interesting point with Digside Graves, isn't it? You you can be denying the the second point by eating the scrap markers uh, that people are putting their schemes next to. Um, to try and deny the, the second point for dig their graves, and um, or you can try and do it yourself if if you're not too keen on digging up relics. You can always have Luna um, sort of digging up markers and then putting, and then you can put schemes next to them. Not not Luna herself; she's insignificant. But so dig their graves is an is an interesting one. It's not usually one that, that I definitely prioritize, but he, he can he can do it or or slightly counter it, and then um, uh, assassinate as well. Um, as we've talked about, McCabe's got. Unfortunately, when he, I think when he dies, uh, it's when he's killed, actually, instead he's replaced. So he's quite hard to assassinate um, to some extent with some healing in the crew and with some stones. But if he gets in danger, he can always um, just evacuate the area where, where things are dangerous and where the heat is. Um, and he can relocate to a different part of the, the table where where things are, you know, a little bit less uh, less dangerous for him to be. Well, and you've got kind of a weird, um, how do I put it, uh, a weird warning system built into McCabe when it comes to assassinate because you get him to half points and they have to declare that, right? And so you, so you are, then, then you know they have assassinate and you still have six more wounds and then the hard to woundish replace um, to get him the hell out of dodge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got, he's got, once you've got him to half, he's got another 11 wounds plus that hard to kill in the middle. Yep. And, and he, in his movement seven, unimpeded, etc. And he can just leave if he needs to, if he's, uh, if he's, if he's, uh, if he's been beaten up in one particular place at the table, he can, he can just, just run away and deny that last point and just be shooting with his net gun from a distance. Yeah. And we've talked about, uh, this a lot on the show. Um, but I think it's worth calling out again because both, uh, you, Robert and you, uh, Alex hinted at it. Um, and it's, and it's a level of play that I'm nowhere near yet, but it's something that I'd like the listeners to think about a little bit more is, you know, the first thing you think about when you look at a pool is, you know, what keyword am I going to bring into this pool? That's going to help me, uh, score. So, you know, what, what, uh, 
uh, what keyword um, is screams this list because I think I can get, you know, six to eight points um, out of it. Um, but you guys both hinted at it. Um, I think that second level analysis, um, and I need to work on this is to also look and say, is there a keyword that's going to shut these, shut these, um, uh, schemes down and the strat down? And it sounds like McCabe has got some of the, that ability to shut, shut some things down. Um, because the crew's so fast, he can he can he can shut down outflank. You can just send a few of your beaters, McCabe, to all to one side, um, kill everything your opponent has got on that side, and then if you can't get anything over there, you've shut down outflank. So that's another scheme that you can you can deny because of his because of his speed, because of his ability to see your opponent going down one flank and then pounce on whatever they're sending there. Um, so you can deny a few schemes. I think probably the schemes yeah. that he's not keen on. Oh, did you want to add something, Robert? Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think that um, uh, without something like outflank is also, it's important to know that um, strategy wise, really there's three, you know, going back to the strategy aspect, there's three strategies that he really looks at and says, okay, I can do any one of these. And that is Cursed Idols, Plant Explosives, Turf War, because he has just the mobility to get to wherever he needs to in that crew. Um, I've played several games with Cursed Idols where again, um, you know, a lot of the time you end up seeing outflank in the pool with Cursed Idols. And that is a boon to a McCabe crew because he can just send the Dawn Serpent over and then he can go on one side as well or concentrate the dragons and you still have all these mobile models who are going to be camping or be able to get somewhere very quickly and again fool your opponent make them think you're doing other schemes but really you're you're the one doing outflank and you're the one uh, trying to get there for those idols as well so I, I think that idols is one that um, we, we should mention a little bit as well because there is a lot that is, that is one of those where with McCabe where you're going to see a lot of um, denial and a lot of chicanery and a lot of um, uh, kind of tricksy play with the McCabe crew. All right, good. Uh, so, guys, I want to take another quick break. And when we get back from this break, I want to talk um, about how do we counter <laughs> this powerhouse of a master and keyword um, <laughs> before we even know who half his models are. I still can't get over that. <laughs> the fact that that it's just, it's, I think it's going to get worse. Um, it's going to be but brilliant. But I also want to talk about, yeah, yeah you, know, you two are very excited. I don't know if I am. Um, and I also want to talk about kind of that second level play. So we'll be right back. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so now that you know, we kind of get an idea of where you know 
McCabe might be the answer to the question posed by the pool or the opponent. Um, I want to talk about something that I find very interesting, and I'm seeing it over and over again in, in Malifaux Third Edition. Is you, you know, you look at a keyword, you look at a master, and you read it, and you know, you kind of take in, you know, what the, what are the main mechanics? Well, you know, where where might this be good, and where might that be good? And you get a couple games in um, with it, and then you know, by your I don't know, I'll say eight, 10 games in, I am finding that we're all discovering this kind of hidden secret inside this keyword, something that wasn't obvious when we started playing the keyword, wasn't obvious when we first read the cards. But now that we've gotten a lot of games under our belt, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see something that's not as obvious. So, Robert, has that happened to you with McCabe? Uh, yes, with two things. One is uh, Jesper just Desper alone is really realizing that he's already very good as is, but realizing that once you get an upgrade on him or two throughout the game, you're getting essentially four actions out of one model because of the leap and the knowing how to use Desper and the right time and the right place to, to get him where you need to score. I, I find myself every single game and I've probably got about, 30 games in with McCabe at this point. Um, I, I learned new, something new about what I can do with Desper. Uh, the other thing is actually something that we honestly started the show with, which was Alex and I both talking about McCabe's um, attacks and what I like to call the, the ping pong or the pinball um, with McCabe of getting all this ping damage um, from all the extra movement moving over you and then the trigger from his bullwhip and then um, the, the make way ability. Uh, knowing when to use that and finding new ways to use it um, is something that I think really takes McCabe to, to the next level of um, you, you can sort of alpha strike kamikaze him into a situation knowing that with Rider with me you can take him out of it you know anytime you want um, but also knowing the the right place to just send him and and the fact that with you know you essentially can get um, more about close to um, 25 inches, 26 inches of movement out of him in a turn um, really makes your options so limitless. And so what I say is um, to, to take the game to the next level um, as you play McCabe is really just once you get into more and more games, really start experimenting because that's kind of what I've done. Um, probably the last 10, 15 games or so is I'll take a new model and try it. Uh, I've tried Samurai and Sadir recently um, and done some really neat, interesting things that are outside my normal play style, but seeing some of those interactions and really just experimenting and know that you may not necessarily win, win some of those games, but the more you learn, um, the more you play and the more you experiment, the better you're going to get with actions that you already know. That's, 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 that sounds excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just listening. Um, I, I've probably got two two things. My, my, my two main points, uh, one of them is pretty much in line with Roberts, which is about um, McCabe's positioning um, and the jewels he causes. It, it can take a little bit of time to uh, a bit of practice to really get the most out of that uh, with his two-inch push that's built into his tack, clipping a base, making sure your positioning is is, is correct, and, and and who's going to be involved in those pulses and who's going to be covered, and and making it really clear with your opponent, like passing it out with widgets or with a proxy 50 mil base before you do stuff, so that they're really clear on what's happening. That's really important, and 
and it comes with the flexibility of McCabe that because he can be anywhere on the board, that amount of options can be a little bit, um, bit paralyzing sometimes because he can almost, because he can do anything you want him to do really. Um, there's more scope for making a mistake, if that makes sense. If you're trying to find the best action for McCabe, the best thing for McCabe to do, and you've got loads of options, you're more likely to make, you know, you're more likely to pick the wrong one. So making sure that you, and this is, this is probably similar for the entire crew is that not being afraid to, to change pace, you know, to go from attacker defender, from being aggressive to reactive, to go from uh, killing to scheming, to go from disruption to supporting and, and not not being afraid of, of when the activation passes back to you to go, actually, I need to do something completely different from what I planned. And we were saying that when we were talking about the, the engine for drawing cards and for, for relics, but it, it's it's really, really important for the crew um, for you to recognize when you need to change pace uh, and that, that'll win your games. When you change, when you change pace or when you do something different from what you were doing and that's what was needed. That's what will win you the games. Yeah, and one uh, to just jump off of what Alex is saying here is McCabe, is, his crew is, I think, one of the easiest crews to change gears, switch gears with. And so make sure, you know, I just want to make sure that all of the listeners are knowing that it's totally, totally okay to switch those gears and, and change what you're doing you know, mid-game, mid-turn, mid-activation even, um, if something doesn't go as planned because his crew recovers so well mm -hmm. that it really throws the opponent off just seeing how much uh, even having just a bad hand or some bad flips can actually still um, not completely destroy your plans yeah. and that you can change those plans very quickly. And that to me, that is what is uh, the true advantage of his crew is that he's so good at recovery and so good at um, uh, switching those gears that utilize that. Make sure that you are keeping that open mind and always knowing in the back of your mind, okay, is this going to disrupt my opponent or is this going to score me points? And if it's not, I need to switch to whatever is going to do one of those two things. Um, the one other thing that I, I want to add on is that um, if you are especially in your setup, right? If you if you don't have, you think, the, the cards to be able to, to push off um, as many artifacts as you want, or um, you're, you're really concerned about um, being able to push through some of those duels for McCabe to be able to do the ping-pong damage and, and all that, uh, focus, I think, is something that also really can distinguish um, for that next level play um, is knowing when and how to utilize focus and the concentrate mm -hmm. action or ways to get uh, focus out into your crew um, in creative ways. So one of the other models I always love to take is the Tanuki because he is able to get so much focus out onto the crew on turn one that I can then utilize in either a defensive or offensive situation. And there have been a lot of games where I've come in um, gone into turn two where McCabe has three focus stacked on him. I know, I know. Tanuki, Tanuki are ridiculous and the, the focus and everything, but it, it, the, the, the point is that, um, that that focus can really, really make or break you. And especially if you don't have a great hand, especially if you really want to make sure that you're getting good damage through. Um, or if, you, if you've if you got, you know, 
on your hucksters, um, even some of the focus. If, if I don't have the cards in hand to guarantee that I'm going to be able to do the secret passage that I need to do, I'll put a, do a focus first. Um, so that if somebody is, uh, or I'll do a focus just because on that turn, I'm going to walk, I'm going to focus so that they're still near some of that blocking terrain. And even though I can't use that focus to, for the unopposed duel, I at least have that focus there for if somebody tries to capitalize on my failed secret passage. Mm-hmm. He, he, that, that Huckster ends up being in a place where you didn't want him to be, and now he's got a little bit of defensive tech through the focus. Exactly. And on, on, on Desper, it's, it's interesting as well. You know, uh, we're talking about changing gears, and um, and it's really disruptive for your for your opponent um, when that happens. You know, they're expecting Desper to be jumping around, putting bombs, doing schemes. You know, and he's, he's got to to focus on him, and he's fast. And then last activation of the turn, he he, he charges a henchman, and he uses his focus on his expert thief, and he. Steals three soul stones off your opponent. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, you know, it's it's really, it's really, it, it's really disruptive for the opponent when when you change gears confidently, and they did not expect it. You know, McCabe goes in into a group of enemies and he starts pulsing out those jewels and ticking damage, and then they send somewhat like a beater in to counter him, and then he runs off and does something different yeah. in the next turn, and then they've just wasted AP sending someone in. Well, you've put the opponent out of position, a key model of the opponent's out of position. That's a big deal. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about the kind of that, you know, that scenario there, Alex. I mean, we, we keep talking about ways that, uh, you know, McCabe can, can, you know, save his rear end and get out of there. I, I'm, I'm not getting a sense that he's afraid of anything. So what, what is McCabe afraid of? Um, his crew, uh, McCabe himself, he's, he's, probably, he's quite afraid of stunned, actually. Um, the, the more I'm playing this game, the more I realize that condition is really, really powerful. I think at first when you're reading it, you're like, yeah, no, no quick actions, no, no, um, no, no, um, no triggers, but actually stunned is brutal for some masters and, it, and it's, it's quite, quite damaging for McCabe. It, it takes, it takes away the, the, the rear up pulse on his attack and he takes away a ride with me. So, um, he's still got the net gun. Um, he's, he's still he can still like charge over models to cause some jewels, but he's not doing the ping ponging around. He's not doing he's, he's not rearing up and causing those massive jewels. So so stunned is um, it can be quite difficult for him. But then again, I suppose if he's got a mask uh, and a seven of rams, he can use the quick action on the mask to remove the condition. But but stunned is well, he actually can't. He can do the quick action as a as a one AP. But stunned is quite is quite nasty for McCabe. Um, and people that can maybe match his speed and hunt down the hucksters. We we talked for a long time about ho- how good hucksters were, and. Um, if you put it kills them, you do lose lose a, a big part of your plan. Really, they're, 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 mm-hmm. we've talked about you know the crew being very very flexible, and you know, the, the the dragons being flexible, and McCabe himself being flexible. Loads of flexibility in the crew, but the hooksters, they're scheming, they're they're scoring your points, and uh, if your opponent kills them very quickly, then um, that's usually a game that's going to be a bit more difficult, I think, for the McCabe player. So, stunning McCabe, um, killing the hooksters. Those are probably um, making him set up in, in a in a terrible deployment where there's no blocking terrain. Those are probably the things I'd advise your opponent to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that completely. So I I've played, like I said, a lot of games with McCabe um, in closed beta and a little bit since release um, and open beta. And the only losses for a McCabe led crew that I've seen it's only happened twice, and both times have been against Lady J 
One was me playing against Lady Justice in a tournament, um, and she was able to just kind of, she just went straight into both my Hucksters. Um, she went into one on turn one and got to it. Um, and it was a situation, again, where I just had an abysmal hand, could not get the secret passage off um, to save my life, and so he was kind of just stuck in there. Um, and she made short work of it, and that crew also had a Perdita in it, and she just shot the other one off the table despite him being behind some cover and concealment, right? Because that's just what Perdita does. Um, and then the other the other time was I, I was using Lady Justice against um, Roman when he was playing uh, um, McCabe. And again, even just things that can not, if you can actually just knock him down um, from the horse as well. So anything that can do that quickly, even if it's not going to score you the points, you're going to make it very, very difficult on the McCabe player to do a lot of the things that he wanted to do when you have a McCabe on foot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's those Killy masters um, that can also close the distance and, and really focus on those things. Well, once McCabe gets on foot, he he's 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 very hard to kill once he's on foot. You know, surprisingly with those five wounds, but once he's on foot, he loses a lot of what makes him really good. He loses a lot of that speed, maneuverability, and flexibility. So, put, take him take him off his horse. The horse is the real master. <laughs> well, it sounds like um, you know the more turns he spends on foot or off the table, you know the better off you are. Um, and if he's still on his horse, you know getting those second points for your two schemes, you know he threatens that. Um, uh, and, and same with the hucksters. So I think um, I think those are both good advice. Um, I've got a fully painted Rollins uh, nightmare box of uh, McCabe. And I, but that's, I, you know, I got him and, and painted him up for guild, uh, back when he was, uh, in guild and two. And I've also got a, uh, uh, Cornelius Bass box. Um, so I think, uh, I have no choice but becoming an explorer. Uh, when it happens. You've already signed up. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I, I'm, um, a, I'm a big Bass fan. Um, I played him a lot in the, the closed beta. Um, and just, just the thought of McCabe taking Bass also as a, yeah. a second master and being able to use Ride With Me with Bass to get Bass Ugh. who can who can sh- fire a shotgun eight inches away or two inches away. He doesn't really care. You know, or one inch away, I mean, from Gunfighter. So yeah. th- there's just a lot that I think, um, even with the, the creation of you know the dust markers and manipulating other models you know, with the terrain that I think uh, a future Explorer Society episode will definitely be warranted for for Mr. McKay. I think so too. I think we're going to definitely have to reconvene. And, and I'll tell you something that I j- literally just thought about, but, you know, a turn one ride, ride with me is typically going to be the bonus first as you bring something out of your deployment zone, or maybe it's action to walk and then pick them up and then, you know, push. But with Bass, he could be potentially you know, deployed so far out of the deployment zone that you have McCabe, you know, only picking up the ride with me on the second or third action that he does. And, you know, suddenly Cornelius Bass is, you know, (laughs) on the other side of the table. (laughs) Yeah, maybe McCabe is like the extraction mechanism for for the the, the mask crew. He's taking people out of danger. He's pulling them away. 
No, it's very exciting. And it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential there, even just with the yeah, one model, exactly. you know, yeah, exactly. So, so seeing where this goes with a, a whole bevy of new Wastrel keyword McCabe models is, is very, very, makes me very curious to see what's next. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And I, and I kind of like, uh, you hinted at the prediction of maybe next year, maybe that's going to be our, our, our treat for Gen Con next year. So we'll start to see some more Explorer Society. Um, it, uh, it, it's definitely exciting. Um, for, that's for sure. Well, gentlemen, um, wow, that was a lot of information and I think it was really good information. And, uh, I hope everybody out there, um, understands, you know, a, he's really good. The whole keyword is really good. Um, B it's, Except, except for yeah, the other except, well, I, yeah, we barely mentioned them. They're, they're yeah. scheme droppers, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, it, but it also sounds like, um, you, you guys, it, it takes a little while to get the most out of them. Um, that you've got, that he, um, his flexibility creates, um, more choices, which, uh, means that you need to, to, to see him in a lot of situations to really know which of those choices is the smart one. Um, Robert, did you have any plugs, um, or anything you wanted to mention out that, uh, you wanted the audience to be aware of? Yeah, I do. So um, we here in Indianapolis uh, are going to actually be hosting our our first non Gen Con uh, gaming convention, focused around minis and uh, card games, and that is called Indie Storm. And you can find information, including the event registration that just went up, um, at www.indiestorm.net. Um, and Indie is spelled I N D Y. Um, so that's going to be next year, January 31st, uh, to February 2nd, 2020. Um, fun thing about that weekend is that there are just a ton of different games and sponsors, um, for it. So, I mean, there's going to be your typical, we are having a Malfo event, um, uh, which will interest our, our, uh, listeners. So Friday is going to be a hench, uh, an enforcer brawl, uh, Saturday, a, uh, hopefully, if we get the document by then, a gaining grounds tournament, um, fifty stones, and probably I think it's going to be about uh, going to be three rounds, and then on the Sunday, a uh, henchman hardcore. Uh, but there's a lot of other games um, going on there, so if uh, you're interested in games outside of Malifaux, there's probably one there for you as well. Um, but check it out. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes. How about you, Alex? Um, probably just a generic shout out to. the everyone that's running events uh, all, all the British henchmen and everyone that's running events here they're doing such a good job of, um, of continuing this excitement with, uh, with M3 uh, really getting some good tournaments and really getting some, some good events going on and, um, and, and the, the whole meta itself the, the British meta is wonderful if you guys ever, get, ever come over and meet with us or we ever come over with you that would be, be excellent we're, we're, we're a good, good bunch of guys and girls now before the uh before the show, Alex and I were talking and that's one of the things I told him is I've got to figure out a way for me to, uh, get over there and, and, uh, spend some time with you guys, get my ass handed to me, uh, on a Malifaux table and then go out drinking afterwards. Um, so it, um, it, and I don't know, um, Alex, I definitely am getting the vibe from you there and Robert, I'm getting the vibe here. Um, despite some of the challenges in the launch and, you know, um, I think that everybody has been taking a little back, um, uh, taking a little bit of a surprise at, uh, how much interest there is in this game after a rough year. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just growing. We, I mean, it's bit, our, our community is bigger than it's ever been before. And, you know, half, more than half of our players weren't able to get product just because of the, the distributor issue. And so, 
but we still have people coming every week. And I mean, it's, it's really blown my mind and I'm getting messages every week of new people just wanting demos. And, uh, it, it, they did something right. I think with, with this beta and all the buzz kind of growing around it. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think, I think it was, it was really telling that we had a tournament that was still in, in the open beta and we had, uh, I think 20 people and then the game wasn't even released yet, you know, and, so and that was you know potentially at the at one of the quietest moments in the game when when people were sort of maybe slightly um, exasperated by by all the you know, it's hard work playtesting so at, at sort of its quietest moment uh, we were still getting you know just having tournaments with people so I think that was really telling yeah I and what what and what's exciting is a they're coming to a game for the first time or coming back to a game that I think is in the best shape it's ever been in. Um, so I, you know, I feel very comfortable telling people, you know, Hey, if you haven't checked it out, you need to check it out. Cause it's pretty good. Um, and, uh, I, I, I just, I just expect things to get bigger. Um, crossing my fingers that this distribution stuff gets figured out, not only for the cards and stuff, but we've got, uh, some key models that are out of print that I hope come back into print soon. Um, because I think that's been one of the big challenges. Um, and it's been that challenge. We've had that challenge for a little while. Um, and it'd be nice here early on in, uh, three to, uh, to see, uh, having too much to buy, um, as opposed to struggling yeah. to buy some things. So gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. Um, uh, you guys were very, very generous. And um, Alex and Robert, we're definitely going to have you back um, when we see that Explorer Society and we see what other filth that this uh, keyword is going to get us hands on. <laughs> so uh, yeah. thanks to everybody who's listening and make sure you check out the show notes for all the links that we talked about. Have a good night. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on the Third Floor.